welcome to the Legal Merry-Go-Round, where you can learn to avoid the downs and savor the ups. Here, 40-year veteran attorney Paul Samico will entertain you and help you understand the law in areas we might all face. Brushes with the police? Oh boy. Family disputes? Oh no. An injury and accident situations? Ouch. And now, here's Paul. Well, hello there, and thank you for joining me today on this Wrongdoer Wednesday edition of The Legal Merry-Go-Round. I am your host, Attorney Paul Samico, and as you are a strident listener of this podcast, I know that you understand that Wrongdoer Wednesdays is the day of the week on the podcast here that we talk about crimes and things that are against the law and punishments and different understandings of things that you shouldn't do and shouldn't be involved in. Before I get started, I want to give a shout out to my sponsor, the Legal Writing Launch. The Legal Writing Launch. This is a legal writing class. Ah, you figured that out, didn't you? Professor Bev Myers, who has the distinction of having formerly been uh, an attorney in the California Attorney General's office, is now a law professor out in the Bay Area in San Francisco. And outside of her professor duties at the school, uh, she teaches a legal writing class. Now you're saying to yourself, well, goodness gracious, why would I want to take a legal writing class? I'm not a lawyer. I'm not even a law student. And this is exactly why I'm bringing this to your attention. You know, lawyers, the only thing we have to sell uh, is our ability to communicate. And I think perhaps uh, maybe in the guise of being a little bit uh, uh, tunnel vision because I am a lawyer, I think for the most part, lawyers do communicate well. Now, how is it that they do that? It's because they've learned They've learned how to communicate clearly and concisely. Judges don't want to listen to a ramble. They don't want to read rambling discussions and motions and all different types of things that would be in the written form. So they have to learn how to be concise and clear and direct. And this is what Bev teaches in one of three classes that she offers up to the public. You can take advantage of this just to improve your communication. When you go to LegalWritingLaunch.com, make sure that you put in the discount code area, uh, the Legal Merry-Go-Round, and you'll get 10% off of any one of the three classes that she offers. LegalWritingLaunch.com. Thank you, Bev, for your sponsorship. All right, so now today... I have a hodgepodge of issues and concerns and things that I want to talk about in the umbrella of criminal law. I'm going to give you some things that you can consider and that are interesting, uh, if you will, water cooler statistics. The second half of the show, I'm going to come back and highlight uh, the worst serial killers in all of history. Again, Uh, just because I think it's interesting, and I hope that you will too. Now, I've taken a lot of what I'm going to provide today from many different sources. Um, You could probably go on to 
uh, an internet search and find uh, slightly different answers, but I'm going to give you what I found to be uh, over and over again, the, um, the things that I'm talking about, the consensus between various research articles and even Wikipedia. All right, so what are the most horrible crimes? What are the most horrible crimes? And, you know, there's a number order for these, and I don't necessarily agree, but I'm going to give you the top, the top five or six here. I think everyone would agree that murder is, if not the most horrible crime, right up there. Murder, taking someone else's life. But what about genocide? Ah, genocide, yes. Killing a group of people because of who they are, a nationality, a race. Um, this is even worse because it's more than one person, right, that's being killed. There's a whole grouping of, of crimes next, which I think are equally bad. Um, you know, some people suffering in some manner would say, oh, just kill me. I can't, uh, I can't continue with this. And that would be things like sexual abuse, rape molestation, human trafficking, and even kidnapping, all under the same kind of ideological venue of what one sicko, wacko, nut job, crazy, horrible person can do to another. And in that regard, then we get to the crime of torture and the crime of slavery. And last but not least in my list, the crime of arson. Now, maybe you agree that there are uh, these crimes should be in those top five, six list, and maybe not. And maybe you've got other crimes. I saw in one list that I looked at animal cruelty. Well, yeah, that's, that's pretty bad. I, I don't even have a second thought that animal cruelty is a horrible, horrible crime. But I don't put it up there in the top five or six. All right, well, my friends, you might want to know what the most common crime in the United States of America is. What do you think? You there in the back row, raise your hand. All right, what's your answer, sir? Oh, okay, that's what you, all right, ma'am, in the front row here, what do you think? Okay, well, you both got it right. Theft, that's right, theft is the most common crime in the United States. All right, do we have any takers for guessing number two? Okay, yes, that's right, sir. Yes, that's right. It's assault. Theft is the number one crime in the U.S. and assault is the number two crime. I want to give you the definition of violent crime. The Federal Bureau of Investigation, FBI, says that violent crimes are murder, rape, robbery, and aggravated assault. So uh, according to uh, the 2019 analysis by Wikipedia, the most violent places, murders and homicides, in the world. You're going to love this. I'm sorry if I offend anybody who's from Mexico, but the top five most violent places in the world are all, the top five are all from Mexico. Tijuana, Mexico has a 134 murder per year rate per 100,000 people. Think about that. 134 murders per 1,000 100,000 people. Juarez, Mexico, is next, 104 per 100,000 people. 
Now, you might want to know where the United States and some places in the United States might fall on this list. The number one most violent place murders and, hom and homicides in the year 2019 was actually in St. Louis, 64 murders per year per 100,000 people. Number nine on the list, St. Louis. Number 11 was Baltimore. Oh, my goodness. That's almost in my backyard. Stay away from Baltimore. And number 34, which is a surprise because I bet a lot of you would have guessed it would have been a lot higher, is Detroit. Now, how many uh, crimes, violent crimes um, in the list uh, do each country have? Mexico, as I told you, had the top five, but all together in their list of the top 50, top 50 or top 100? I'm sorry, I didn't write that down. Okay, let's just say it's a top 100. Give them a break. Mexico had 19 of the most violent places in the world. Brazil had 10. Venezuela had six. South Africa had four. The United States had four. And Colombia, South, South America, Colombia had three. Okay, well, here's one for you. The most violent states percentage all violent crimes in 2019. Washington, D.C., right where I live, 1,049 per 100,000 people. That's the most. The least was Maine, only 115, compared to almost 10 times more in Washington, D.C., 1,049. Maine, 115 violent crimes in 2019 per 100,000 people. Now, the actual numbers, okay, here you go for 2019, the actual numbers, not percentages. California ranked number one with 1,670 violent crimes in 2019. Texas was second with 1,409. And the least, the least was Vermont. In 2019, Vermont only had 11 violent crimes. All right, continuing. This is, I don't know if this is boring you or, or not. I think it's fascinating to, to know this kind of stuff. The most dangerous harm or injury to a person in 2019 was Alaska, 885 incidents per 100,000 people. Alaska, what? All right, well... New Mexico comes in second, 857. Then a significant drop in the number, Tennessee, 543. Nevada almost there in third place, 541, just two below Tennessee. And the Bayou State, Louisiana, 537. Okay, well, let's go back again and just kind of look at it from another perspective. Most crimes, the most crimes, harm or injury to person, New Mexico, 3,944 crimes per 100,000 people. And the least was Maine, 1,360 crimes per 100,000 people. So you might now be able to kind of fashion in your head uh, where it's not so, uh, so good to live if you're concerned about crime and where it is. The safest states, Maine, Vermont, Minnesota, and Utah. Ever been to Utah? I have. Beautiful, beautiful state. The safest countries. This will probably no, uh, come as no surprise to you. 
in the world, the safest countries, no surprise, right? The Scandinavian countries lead the list. Finland, Switzerland, Iceland. Then we get, it's not a Scandinavian country, but we get to Portugal, Austria, Denmark, Canada is among that top list. Singapore, Slovenia, and Japan. All righty, well, I'm going to close out this first half of the show with something that I learned in researching this. I found it really interesting. You know, you've heard the expression blue-collar crime, white-collar crime, right? You've heard that. Well, there's actually more color crimes. So we know that blue-collar crime, as an example, we're talking about armed robbery, burglary, drug abuse, and sexual assault. And we know that white-collar crime concerns itself primarily with financial and fraud. But the authorities, the states and the government and the FBI, uh, there's actually four more color categories. Okay, you ready? Green collar crime. Anybody can guess what that is? Well, if you guessed it's crimes against the environment, you would be right. Black collar crimes. Black collar crimes. What is that? This is priests who commit crimes and crimes against a certain group of people. As an example, uh, people with um, uh, a certain religious bent or racial bent or sexual orientation bent, those are called black collar crimes. This one absolutely threw me. I don't know why it's not a white collar crime. Maybe it's a subcategory of a white collar crime, but it's a pink collar crime. And that is limited to embezzlement. Okay, well, the last one, you can guess going through the uh, the rainbow, this is a red-collar crime. And a red-collar crime is a white-collar crime that turns horribly violent. All right, now, if you're interested, you can go to the transcript of this podcast on my podcast website, The Legal Merry-Go-Round, and get a, uh, a, a very detailed printout of exactly what I've just said. And then you can be the, uh, the entertainer at the water cooler. I'm going to take a little break while I'm gone. Do not commit a crime of any color. And I will come back and talk about some of the worst serial killers, who they are, uh, what they did uh, in the history of the United States. I'll be back. I think you're going to love this. This uh, this is the law at its best in humor. So some farmers were trying to avoid paying taxes, and then you know we get to the uh, the the judges, right, who rule on these cases. They've got latitude when it comes to how they write their opinions, and some uh, run with it. So here's a justice in Texas, a federal appeals court judge in Texas beginning an opinion way back in 1986 in a case called the United States versus Batson. This is his written opinion. Some farmers from Gaines had a plan. It amounted to quite a big scam. But the payments for cotton began to smell rotten. Twas a mugging of poor Uncle Sam. Okay, well, thank you, Judge. He uh, continued the hilarity right up until the very end, even as he breaks the bad news to the farmers, he looks at him and he says, you're in a heap of trouble. 
Okay, it's break time here on the merry-go-round. We want to give you value. So, do you need an attorney for an injury case or a criminal matter or something involving family law? Mr. Samico has the answer for you. Go to our podcast website, www.thelegalmerrygoround.com. Again, that's thelegalmerrygoround.com and click on the referrals tab. Then either fill out the form or call the telephone number where you can leave a detailed message that Mr. Samico will pick up and you'll get a response with a referral to an excellent attorney in your area within eight business hours. And the referral is free, no charge to you for this referral. So again, if you're looking for a lawyer that meets the highest standards, Paul is going to hook you up. And every attorney he refers to meets the highest standards, and Paul has checked them out for you. If you like what you're hearing from him during these shows, you know he's going to take care of you. So go to thelegalmerrygoround.com. And now, back to the show. Okay, so we're back. Now, before I took the break, I told you I was going to talk about the worst serial kiss, uh, killers in the history of the United States, but I, I want to include two the all time worst serial killers in history in the world because uh, I think just putting into perspective um, you know the the terror and the uh, the tragedies occurred by these top two in the world and all of history will put into perspective some others the number one serial killer in the history of the world is a, a guy by the name of Luis Garavito he lived in South America, Colombia, Ecuador, and Venezuela from 1992 to 1999. Uh, when caught, he was sentenced to 1,853 years in prison. Um, his total confirmed deaths by his hand <clears throat> were 138. Now, he suggested that he was responsible for more than 300, but no more than 138 could be confirmed. He was a child murderer, a torture killer, and a rapist known as La Bestia, which in Spanish is the beast. He confessed to killing 140 boys between 8 and 16 years old over the seven-year period in Colombia and neighboring countries. He's suspected of murdering over 300 victims, mostly street children. But again, only 138 could be confirmed. The next is a guy also from South America, Pedro Lopez. Again, the countries where he was doing his dastardly, disgusting. Uh, he was from Colombia, Peru, and Ecuador. From 1969 for a decade to 1979, 110 confirmed killings. Also, he uh, confessed to more than 300, but again, only 110 confirmed. Also, a child murderer and rapist 
known as the Monster of the Andes. He targeted young girls between the ages of 8 and 12. He was arrested in 1980 and convicted in 1983 of killing three young girls, but claimed again to have killed hundreds. Despite being believed to be one of the most prolific serial killers of the 20th century, he was released in the late 1990s. Is that unbelievable? All right, so let's go to the United States. Samuel Little, from 1970 to 2005, confirmed 50 deaths by his hand. The claim number was 93. He was convicted of killing three women, but later investigations linked him to 31 other murders. He's now thought to be America's most prolific serial killer. He claims that he killed as many as 93 victims total, three above his initial confession of 90. Uh, the FBI later confirmed a total of 50 linked to him. The next Gary Ridgway, United States from 1982 to 2009, 49 known killings claimed to have convict, uh, uh, killed up to 90 people. Truck painter, uh, Mr. Ridgway painted trucks. He confessed to killing 71 women. He was known as the Green River Killer, and he almost exclusively targeted sex workers from Seattle. Some real sickos in this world. He was suspended of killing over 90 victims, and again, he confessed to 91. Um, he was convicted of 49. He was, of course, sentenced to life without parole. Ted Bundy, that might be the first one of the United States list that I've been reading that you might have heard of. In the United States, of course, from 1974, four years to 1978, uh, confirmed 35, he claims as many as 100. This uh, nut job, uh, known for his charisma and good looks, Bundy officially confessed to 30 homicides, but had confessed to killing 35 to 36 women in the past, and some estimates ran up to 100 people or more. He was inf infamous for escaping from prison twice and murdering multiple victims in one day, sometimes abducting women from the same location within hours of one another. He was executed by electric chair in 1989. You know, serial killers aren't always men. Clementine Barnabet in 1911, 35 murders contributed to her. She was an axe murdering voodoo priestess who murdered African-American families at nighttime. Now get this, 35 murders, she was released from prison in 1923. You also may have heard of John Wayne Gacy from 1972 to 1978, confirmed 33 murders. More than that uh, are attributed to him, but not proven. He was known to have murdered a minimum of 33 teenage boys and young men between 1972 and 78, 26 of whom he buried in a crawl space of his Chicago home. Gacy was known as the killer clown due to the fact that he often entertained children at social events dressed in a self-devised clown costume. He was executed by legal injection, uh, lethal injection, I should say, in 1994. Nut jobs, all of these people. I just, you know, their brains aren't wired the same. I mean, that's all, that's the only possibility.
Now, some that you are, are sure perhaps have heard of, but are not in that list in the in the 30s and 40s and 50s. Jeffrey Dahmer, 17 uh, victims to him. Uh, the Washington uh, duo, Lee Boyd Malvo and John Allen Mohammed, who terrorized the Washington, D.C. suburbs, they killed seven people. You may also have heard of Eileen Warnos. There was a movie about her, actually, from in 1989, 1990. Uh, she killed seven people, uh, shot seven men to death in Florida. She was called the Damsel of Death. Now, again, going outside, um, of, of the the small number, we get to the Boston Strangler, a guy by the name of Albert DeSalvo. Uh, he confessed, but interestingly enough, you may not know this, he was never indicted. Then there was a guy by the, um, uh, don't ever know the name, but he was given the title Chicago Strangler, 55 people killed between 2001 and 2018 raped and strangulations, predominantly African-American prostitutes. And again, the Chicago Strangler never identified. You know, it really is just a shame that lists like this exist. What goes on in the human mind that you'd be motivated to take another person's life? So this leads me to the pontification and opinion part of the show um, and you may or may not agree, but we get to uh, a very simple question. And that question is, is it legal? Well, not is it legal, because we know it is in some places, but is it appropriate to put someone to death for crimes they have committed? So I ask this question. Someone kills someone else, and then there is the death penalty awaiting them. So I'm wondering, you're going to administer the death penalty, saying it's okay for us to kill you, to stop you and to give you examples, uh, the rest of the world examples, that you shouldn't kill. Uh, I just don't think that makes sense. But I'm not a legislator. Um, if I were a victim of a crime, let's suppose one of my female family members had been tortured or beaten or sexually assaulted or raped or something, I think the anger in me would want to see the person that did that, you know, sliced in 110 different ways. And maybe that's, maybe that's just a, a comment on who I am. Um, I know there are other people who their first thought is forgiveness and understanding and prayer for that type of violent activity. And that's not wrong. So you have to make a decision. Well, you don't have to, but I'm sure you have an opinion as to the appropriateness of the death penalty. I'd love to hear it. Please give me your comments at the end of this show. Thank you for listening. Thank you for your ear. And I'll look forward to having you back on the next one. The Legal Merry-Go-Round, your host, Paul Samico. Have a good afternoon. Thanks for listening to The Legal Merry-Go-Round. We hope you enjoyed our show. Tune in next time to get a better understanding of real-life legal situations.